Chapter 21 of Our Western Birds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Nat Spratt. Our Western Birds by Elizabeth and Joseph Grinnell. The Shrike or Butcher Bird. We have a warm place in our hearts for the Shrike. He is not so cruel as most people suppose. He is very beautiful in shape and color. At first glance, one might take him for the mocker, but you can easily see the difference. The throat of the Shrike and the tips of all his tail feathers are white. A dark stripe runs from the corners of his mouth through the eye and back on the neck. This stripe is called a black bridle. It is not a noisy bird, though it is known to scream harshly once in a while, but it has an occasional sweet song. It is not seen often in our gardens. It seems to know that it is dreaded by other birds and ordinarily keeps well away from them. They have little need to be so afraid of him, for he is not the butcher they take him for. To be sure, he does eat up a little bird now and then when he can get nothing else, and he impales what he does not eat on some thorn. Probably the other birds have caught him at this naughty business a very few times, and once detected, always suspected. They have never forgiven him. So perhaps this butcher has come honestly by his name, but it is not so very bad to be a butcher. Let us learn some lessons from his merciful way of doing his work. The shrike kills its victim by a blow, or by impaling it on a thorn. In either case, it is a quick death. Sometimes he kills it before hanging it. If he does hang it on a thorn before giving the fatal stroke, he impales it by the back of the skull or neck. There is no playing before killing, as with the common cat. Why the shrike hangs its prey on thorns or weed stalks or barbed wire fences, no one knows. He seldom returns to eat it. You may find the little ghosts of grasshoppers and crickets and mice and other creatures swinging in the wind as dry as a bone. Indeed, they are often nothing but dry bones with just enough skin to hold the bones together. It is well known that tree squirrels and jays and woodpeckers do not return and eat all the food they stow away in secret places. Perhaps all these little creatures have a vague idea that there may be a famine and that they would do well to save something. It is a good idea. Butcher birds have been seen to catch gophers, and they are very partial to those great Jerusalem crickets which eat holes in the farmer's potatoes. Most farmers are on friendly terms with butchie. They have an idea that the bird eats more or less linnets, and the average farmer can endure the company of almost anything that makes war on the linnets. The linnets could tell him that not three times in a season does Butchie molest a linnet. Butchie prefers a lizard any day, and it is his greatest delight to chase butterflies. Farmer sees Butchie darting across the garden. The linnets fly to cover, and Farmer chuckles. Butchie wasn't after the birds at all, but that great red and black butterfly the farmer did not see. When once any creature is picked up by the butcher bird, it is of no use for it to squirm. Butchie is provided with a pretty good set of teeth for a bird. The tip of the beak is notched. These notches are called teeth. They hold on to a gopher or a lizard or a beetle with a tight grip. However, should the butcher seize a lizard by the tip of its tail, the bird would have a tail and nothing else for its breakfast, as its cousin the mocker has when he seizes a lizard. In the case of the mocker, he evidently wants nothing but the tail, 
as he couldn't possibly tear to pieces or swallow a whole lizard. But the butcher wants the whole lizard, and takes pains to catch it by the back of the head, as you see must be the case when you find it stuck on a thorn. The feet of the butcher are fitted for perching, more than for walking, but he is able to stand on the ground very well while he is getting good hold of a mouse or other animal. You will see him mostly on the top of a tree or perched on a telegraph wire, watching. He has a wonderful eye, and is so intent on the creature he is looking for in the grass or bush below him that you may come close to him without the butcher turning his head. Wait and study him a moment. See how quickly he dives into the air and down to the ground, just as the kingfisher dives into the water? The nest of the butcher is placed in a shrub or tree in March or April. It is a very large, thick nest. Sticks and grasses and twine are so well matted together with little weed leaves that you might think it partly of mud, like the robin's nest. In Southern California, we have found nests made wholly of the white wild sage, matted thick and firm. Perhaps the butcher mother chooses this sage to keep the mites from invading the nest. You know, our birds must have a serious time with the mites at nesting seasons. If the swallows and phoebes and linnets who raise their broods two or three times in the same nest would learn a lesson from the butcher bird, they would do well. A few pieces of wild sage or pennyroyal woven in with the grass or mud would be a protection. The eggs of the butcher are usually six, grayish-brown with darker markings. By this number of eggs, you might conclude that butchers are very numerous in the West. But the truth is, they are not often seen. Never in flocks. They are solitary birds, always keeping still, on the watch like a cat at a mouse hole. Of course, the shrikes are not common in our garden, for the reason, we suppose, that the food we provide for the other birds is not to butchies' liking. We seldom see a shrike in our grounds. But we have tracked him. We found a little marker impaled on a cactus leaf, the thorn stuck straight through the skull at the base of the brain. However, as we started out with saying, we have a warm place in our hearts for Butchie. He isn't so bad as he might be. End of chapter 21